one for podcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Miller Condon, welcome back. Hour number two. Scott Dockerman in about 20 minutes. Before we get to Tom Keating from the Iowa High School Athletic Association, he's the executive director. want to remind you again that the folks at Embark are loading up another truck and heading over to Cedar Rapids uh, as they hope to bring more relief. They were there this weekend. They were overwhelmed by what they saw and are head right, going to head right back up today. If you have any of the following or would like to uh, help out, uh, at the Vineyard Church on Euclid, 2332 Euclid Avenue here in Des Moines from 2 until 4, they hope to to load up a truck, non-perishable foods, uh, bottled water, PPE, blankets and pillows. A lot of these folks sleeping out under the stars. Uh, some lucky enough to find a spot in a tent. They need diapers, cleaning wipes, uh, luggage. If you have an old suitcase, uh, these people have nothing. Their stuff's in bags right now, just uh, anything. So today from noon until 4, they're going to load it up and they're going to head east. Uh, it's uh, right at 4 o'clock. Vineyard Church, 2332 Euclid Avenue. If you have any of those items, certainly be appreciated because the eastern part of the state, we got it bad. I think the eastern part of the state got it worse. Tom Keating is the executive director from the Iowa High School uh, Athletic Association. He joins us. Tom, Trent Condon, my name is Ken Miller. Thank you for coming on, Tom. How are you? I'm good, Trent. How are you guys? Doing well. Appreciate- Trent, how's it going? Doing hey, well. Doing- before, we get, before we get started, thanks for that uh, PSA for the, uh, for the Cedar Rapids area. I'm not sure if you know, my wife and I are uh, have our home there, and uh, and it, and it's it's uh, it's it's quite a deal. Yeah, and, uh, any help at all is appreciated. So thank you guys for that. No, absolutely, it's a, it's a great cause. And so just let's start there, Tom, because Des Moines and Central Iowa, we got it bad. It was about you know almost a week exactly when it hit here, and there was a lot of and there's still folks without power in Central Iowa. I don't mean to. You know, put the message mm-hmm. out there that everything is fine yet. But from all accounts, I think the eastern part of the state even got it worse than we did. Fair to say? Is that what yeah. you've heard? Uh, it's kind of like it uh, got a shot of adrenaline after it wow. uh, after it left here. You know, I, I was in Boone when it hit, and we got it pretty bad here in, in Ames as well. Uh, and and I, I was able to – I drove through Ames uh, uh, to visit my, my wife's grandfather – uh, on Monday, but, uh, you know, once I got in the car and headed east, uh, and once I hit Marshalltown and then from there on fields were mm. laying down and, uh, you know, a lot of farm damage. And then once I get into the city in Cedar Rapids, it was a, a whole nother world. So, mm. yep, it is, it's bad. And, and I haven't, I haven't been around Des Moines, so I can't compare it, but, uh, it's going to be months and months and months wow. before things are are put back together. Yeah, we've seen caravans of uh, out-of-state uh, power companies that are sending help and support, and you know, to try and make this uh, uh, expedite the process. But it's it's going to be difficult. Well, Tom, thank you for coming on. I, I get the sense that you guys are kind of going to be caught up in the middle on the on this topic. We want to start with you: uh, the fact that. 
You know, high school football, as you well know, starts a week from Friday uh, in the state of Iowa. And sports are so important, not just football, but all four sports, are all fall sports and into the winter and spring, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, baseball and softball, I thought for the most part, did a terrific job. Uh, it was, you know, there was a lot of consternation and gray area. Are they going to be able to pull this off? I think that uh, for the most part, mission accomplished, very well done. But now it seems like that... You know, um, there's more to just uh, there's politics involved. And it seems as though uh, you guys are going to be the ones that are caught in the middle. The kids and the parents, for the most part, want to play. The The governor's come out with a mandate saying if schools aren't in, then uh, she doesn't believe that you can play. Um, or not just sports, but as Trent pointed out, choir and those, uh, all those activities. So are you guys going to be caught in the middle here, Tom, do you think? You know, I, I I don't think so. I think uh, you know our our role is uh, kind of between the lines, right? Between the sidelines and the end lines, and and that's where we're going to keep our focus. Uh, schools uh, um, and their, you know their school boards and local districts are going to make the decisions that they think are in the best interest of uh, of their folks. Uh, there is a you know Iowa code uh, that uh, is saying that. You know, you need to be a certain percentage in person and schools are going to make and districts are going to make the decision whether or not they think they can do that. Some will seek waivers from the Department of Ed and uh, some of those may be granted, some may not. Uh, and uh, and then we just uh, basically, to be honest, guys, we look at the schools who are available, uh, who are allowed to play, permitted to play. And then, uh, you know, we, we, we move our season along uh, accordingly. Tom, looking back at baseball and now looking forward to football and the fall sports that'll be out there, what did you guys learn at the Athletic Association? What changes are we going to see implemented, if any, compared to what we went through, teams having to sit out, the quarantine, how that's going to work in comparison to what we saw this summer? Well, I think one of the things that we learned is um, between the lines, at least, uh, whether it was practice or or uh, uh, or competition um, when the protocols were followed, uh, you know things went very well. Uh, none of the cases that we're aware of uh, were transmitted player to player, coach to coach, coach to player, player to coach. Um, any 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 uh, uh, situation or any uh, incident that maybe quarantined an individual or a team was contracted outside the program. So it looks like the protocols, you know. Um, uh, certainly make a difference. So I think if anything, our EDs and our coaches learned that, uh, and we did as well. Uh, as far as, you know, uh, who quarantines when, uh, again, those are, are, are county health decisions and that's outside the, those sidelines and, and end lines for us. And so schools have to depend on health professionals, uh, and, and the Department of Public Health has tried to give some consistent guidance to those. Uh, uh, county health departments uh, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, uh, thresholds and, and, and things to consider when uh, determining whether someone or a team needs to be quarantined. So I, I think we're going to see probably, you know, uh, uh, similar processes uh, if somebody reports symptoms or somebody reports having had contact with someone uh, and they have a, a positive test. Uh, or, or not a positive test, but have, have been in contact, 
uh, schools are going to reach out to those county health departments and say, what what are our next steps? Tom Keating from the Iowa High School Athletic Association. He's the executive director. He's with us on 1460 KX and 106.3 FM. Tom, you mentioned the protocols and protocols for baseball and softball, I'm assuming, look entirely different than they're going to look for uh, the contact sport football that is about to uh, take over the state here a week from Friday night. When the protocols were formed uh, and you came up with the criteria that will be involved with pulling off a high school season, who was all involved in that? Coaches, activities, directors, yourselves at the, uh, uh, at the uh, High School Athletic Association. Who were the people in the room that were having their voices heard regarding the uh, criteria for the protocols that were put in place? Well, we tried to leave uh, no stone unturned there, guys. It was, uh, you know, the, the National Federation of High Schools uh, through uh, their uh, um, sports, man, uh, sports uh, medicine advisory committee, uh, the, um, uh, our own uh, Department of Public Health uh, folks, uh, our Department of Education, um, our, our uh, officials, our coaches, uh, and our administrators, uh, as well as our staff here and the uh, the Iowa athletic trainers uh, as uh, were included so you know we did have uh, we did have a lot of uh, a lot of input and then uh, you know we tried to balance uh, we wanted to um, not overwhelm folks but at the same time we wanted to make sure we had those critical pieces in place um, so that uh, that we could keep our kids safe Tom, uh, there there were some concerns as the season went on, especially as we ramped up towards playoff season, that some teams were maybe bending some rules, changing the rules, and and the spirit of the law. As he put these protocols in place, still knowing that it's up to each individual high school to do the things that you put forth correctly, how big of a concern is that for teams either, we didn't know about a test, the positive test didn't come back to the athletic director and the head coach, and we didn't quote-unquote know about it. How concerned does that make you when you hear at least those kind of rumors that are out there? Yeah, well, you guys know you can't legislate integrity. That's true, and, uh, yes. And we depend on our, we depend on, you know, lots of layers of folks for that integrity, starting with the athletes and and coaches and, and parents and, and administrators. Uh, we We just have to take the approach that people are going to, uh, you know, they're, they're going to be forthright and forthcoming and, uh, and they're going to understand that, you know, trying to get around a rule might be, um, you know, tempting in some cases, but when you're, when you're messing with something as serious as this, um, trying to get around the rule is dangerous, mm. and, uh, and and we would hope they recognize that. Tom, maybe this is a better question for the officials' association, but who will police this? And will there be, you know, uh, after every Friday night's games are completed, at at some point, will there be uh, a report filed on on what? I'm not saying to get people in trouble, but you know, this could have been diff- done differently, or this could have been done better at this school. Uh, they forgot to do this type of thing because uh, this has to be a, a moving target. I'm assuming it tried to play the entire year. Uh, is is someone going to have that responsibility of correcting a paper, if you want to put it that way, on what went right and what went wrong uh, mm-hmm. at that event over the uh, of, on Friday night? Well, you know, if if you go back to uh, um, an earlier um, uh, piece of guidance uh, from the Department of Education, 
one of the things that is included is someone at your school uh, needs to be designated as the person that makes sure that protocols and uh, and, and guidance is followed. Mm-hmm. So we, we depend on the schools, and, and quite frankly, that, that it depends on the school and how big the district is. Sometimes it's the AD, sometimes it's the... Uh, you know, the, um, uh, the director of student services, sometimes it's the uh, buildings and grounds folks. It's just, it just depends on that, that school district. But um, so, so someone is supposed to oversee this. And, uh, and then uh, what I can tell you is during baseball, at least anecdotally, we would hear, right? Mm-hmm. We, we might hear from an official um, who said, hey, I was at, at the game and just wanted you to be aware of this. Um, and maybe kids weren't, you know, maybe kids weren't social distancing in the, uh, uh, in the dugout or maybe a, an administrator who had gone to another school, uh, may say, and eh, that might've been handled a little bit better or a coach uh, might report that. Uh, I would have to say we had very little of that in the summer. Uh, and, uh, and then when we followed up, uh, folks were already, uh, aware of it and had already put things in place to correct it. Mm. Uh, my last thing, I'll let Trent finish up with you, Tom. Um, capacity in these stadiums, will there be, li- uh, there has to be, I'm assuming, if we want a social distance, those uh, bleachers and stands weren't bu- weren't built for that. But is there a mm-hmm. statewide directive? Who's in charge of determining how many people uh, each school can put into a home game? Yeah, we're going to leave that again to the the local school and its uh, public health folks, uh, mostly uh, uh, because uh, you know, Ken, it, it's just the the facilities are so different. Um, a couple, few weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I was at Denison just doing a visit there, and uh, you know, they showed me their football facility, and there's a huge hillside that people that would be very easy for people to spread out. And then there are other uh, uh, facilities, you know, in Iowa where bleacher space is the only opportunity to sit and watch, and that's going to be very different. Um, stadiums like Valley Stadium or Linmar, uh, Kingston Stadium and Cedar Rapids, th- those are big facilities where spreading out might be a little bit easier. So we're, we don't want to tie anybody's hands, and uh, we, we just we, we trust, again, folks to check with their county and some of it has to do with what's the rate, you know, and what's the county recommending. And uh, as long as they do that, then, then we feel good that uh, that we're going to be in a, in a decent place with spectators. Tom, we've seen, of course, a number of players from across the nation transfer in here to our state to play their final season or, or maybe move here for the long term uh, if for kids that are a little bit younger than the senior age group. But you have that component here. First, your, your thoughts overall on that and, and something that is bringing a lot of talent to the state. It's uh, certainly a great thing for people like myself that broadcast the games, but your perspective of seeing these athletes make their way into our state. Well, I think, uh, first of all, we only know what we know. And, and what we know is that there are reports of, uh, of students who are planning to come or who have come. Um, and, you know, what, what we have in place, uh, there's Iowa Administrative Code that covers any transfer, whether it's in-state or out-of-state. And uh, it, if those criteria are not met, then students are ineligible. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Ken, Friday I sent a letter 
to our ADs and our principals, just reminding them of our transfer rules and uh, and and asking them to be diligent about uh, you know uh, checking with families to make sure that it's an entire family that has left behind wherever it was they were and uh, and established their new home. Uh, and, and when I say home, I don't mean one of their homes. I mean their home uh, in the district where uh, the young person wants to enroll. So um, it's very clear that, you know, you, you, you have to, your family has to relocate uh, and you've got to become, you know, members of that community uh, or, or you're going to be ineligible. So uh, again, we, we, we trust our administrators. Uh, we, we know that uh, there are, uh, I'm aware of uh, three cases uh, where um, you know students have uh, have uh, enrolled, and uh, and you know the the administrators are are working on the eligibility part of that. So uh, it you know it, it it could be. I don't think it's a surprise to anybody. Can you know we're we we plan to play football. Their states don't plan to play football, so maybe they're looking for a place to play football. And uh, you know we would hope. Uh, that there there are other reasons they'd want to be in Iowa, and they'd want to be part of those communities. But I'm not naive enough to, <laughs> you know, to uh, to 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 drink from that potion. But uh, I I understand, uh, you know, administrative code is not mine to like or not like. It is mine to follow. And uh, and I think if 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 they if everything is done, uh, you know, above board and. The entire family is here, uh, and they've left everything, you know, uh, behind. And then they're, and they have a chance to be eligible. But if if not, then they won't be. What would happen? Uh, final thing here, and kind of piggybacking on where we originally started the conversation, uh, coming from the governor's office, Des Moines Public Schools. Uh, they have maintained, and they're going to have another vote tonight about being online completely. If that number we're talking about the biggest school district in the state those athletes not being able to play extracurriculars this fall, what would happen to those student-athletes? Would they have an uh, option to transfer to the school closest to them that's offering? Are they free agents? What would happen in a huge number of athletes here if they're told by the governor's office, you're not allowed to play football, say, this summer or this fall? Well, first of all, it's it's um, it's Iowa it's Iowa code that would, would prevent that. It's... Um, and so, uh, yeah, but to answer your question, um, you know, some of that has to do with um, the the um, uh, opportunity to open enroll, uh, which means you, you go to another school uh, and uh, whether or not um, the uh, whether or not uh, the Des Moines School District would uh, would uh, permit that open enrollment out. Uh, it would also depend on whether the school district that a student would try to open enroll to um, is willing to accept open enrollment students. Uh, some students, uh, and, and again, and their families could theoretically, right, uh, they could move. They could pick up and move to a district where there is, uh, where fall sports are available and uh, and become uh, residents of that district uh, similar to what we were talking about with the out-of-state kids. So, um, you know, it, it's, it, it's likely that I, I think, I think we're, if we're going to be realistic, it's likely that lots of kids are going to go without mm. participating in fall sports. 
Sad, but uh, the times we're living in. Uh, Tom, thank you for being so generous with your time. A lot of ground to cover. Thank you for doing it with uh, Trent and myself. We appreciate it, Tom Keating. Uh, best of luck to everybody over in Cedar Rapids and Central Iowa as well as we work our way through this. But it uh, seems like you guys were hit um, very, very hard. Tom Keating from the Iowa High School Athletic Association. Thank you. Thank you, Ken. I appreciate it, guys. Good to talk to you. Thank you, Tom Keating. Uh, joining us here as we go uh, inside uh, high school sports. You know, that's a, a very particular thing I think not a lot of people understand in terms of the open enrollment. It has to be approved. And that money that normally would be going to the school district, the tax money, if you mm-hmm. will, that goes in for each individual student. So a kid is in the Des Moines district, and they said, you know what? going to go to Ankeny. Well, then that money, that tax money, would be filtered to Ankeny to pay for their schooling there. That would be a huge hit. We're talking about hundreds of kids, thousand mm. kids that would make that decision to open enroll. Des Moines Public is not going to say, oh, all that money, no, yeah, we're we good. don't need it. We don't need it. Right. Absolutely not. You think that these waivers are just going to be improved all willy nilly? It's not the reality. Uh, Scott Dockerman will join us. We'll do cover a lot of ground with Doc. Uh, Gary Barta just put out a letter to Iowa fans uh, trying to read it while we were talking to Tom Keating. Uh, boy, oh boy, those are some big, big numbers, dollar numbers. Financially. Right. With lots of zeros mm-hmm. uh, that they're going to take a hit. Cakes and all, and iHeart want to help you with your bills. Text the keyword FAMILY to 200, 200 right now. It's your chance to win $1,000. That's FAMILY to 200, 200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Scott Dockerman up next. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 103. Today. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Welcome back. Good morning, Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. 106.3 FM, take you up until noon. Murph and Andy at 2, the Fanatics at 4 o'clock. Scott Dockerman right now from The Athletic. That's his music. Uh, we Welcome, Doc, to the program. Scott, you were with us about exactly a week ago today when we were warning you what was coming your way as we were in the throes of it when we were uh, having our conversation last week, Doc. And apparently uh, your part of the state, uh, maybe not specifically your place, but a lot of folks still suffering uh, mightily uh, from the uh, remnants, the remains of the storm. How are you? You know, I'm doing well, and really, I uh, I appreciate you giving me a heads up on that, seriously, because I didn't really know what the, the scope of the storm was going to be until uh, you mentioned it, and then next thing you know, uh, you know, my backyard fence is bangled up and tree limbs down and going without power for 30 hours, but all things told, compared to the people, the good people north of me in Cedar Rapids, we ended up way lucky, because there's a lot of them that are still without power, and some that have trees down still in their home so uh all things told uh you know not so bad here well doc a lot of ground to cover with you i want to get to your piece that you put out yesterday it was a really good read on what you're going to miss we'll get into that gary bart has just put out a, a letter uh to the uh, hawkeye fans hawkeye family is uh as he addressed the letter um look there's there's a lot of poignant paragraphs in there i'm not sure more if there's anyone more so than we anticipate lost revenue of 100 million and an overall budget deficit between 60 and 75 million dollars and are working hard to 
find solutions. Doc, when they put the numbers in black and white and put them on paper, uh, it just uh, the impact of what we're embarking on uh, here this fall without no football. That resonates. Those are huge, huge numbers. Knew they were going to be bad, Doc, uh, but to see that, wow. Yeah, and I, I caught up with Gary. I was outside the team meeting last Tuesday, and and uh, he told me that. And, and I said, you know, well, what are you going to do? Uh, you know, you're going to try to borrow it against the, the university's, uh, you know, endowment or something like that. He's like, we've got to borrow it from somewhere. But because uh, there, that number is astronomical. It, you just cannot find a way to replace that number and and that means that there's a lot of fixed costs that have to come down and you can't cut them with a, a scalpel you have to cut them with an ops and that means a lot of really good people are going to lose their jobs temporarily furloughed or permanently and and that also will include sports you just can't have that kind of number and not lose something from it and that's something that i maybe have you know tried to highlight throughout the summer that <laughs> The, the money matters in football. It matters more than any other sport. And if you lose that revenue, then you lose just about everything. And so um, what, where are they going to get it? You know, how are they going to do this? Uh, they're still formulating that plan. I know they had a big meeting on Friday to, to kind of go over it, just to alert everybody, hey, it's coming. Be ready for it. But still, it's pretty startling to see it, um, especially laid out in a letter like this. Yeah. Uh, no doubt. It, it is uh, certainly grave times inside the athletic department. I guess there is one thing that possibly could save it, and that would be fall football to still come back in, in some form or fashion. Do you see any path at all from Kevin Warren walking back this decision and saying, you know what, we we made a mistake here. We're going to try, as the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 are, we're going to give it a go. Any chance at all? I wish Joel McRae was running Big Ten football. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know what, I... I would hate to give everybody hope and say, yeah, I could see it possibly happening. I mean, it's such a stark, small percentage that I really struggle to see it happening. You know, if it does, then, then terrific. But, you know, what, what it's really caused is kind of this impasse or, or you know, gorge between the, the football places, the places where football borders on religion and from the places where it's just merely really, really important. And we've seen that with letters this week, mm-hmm. and we've seen it from, uh, you know, whether it's fans, even players, uh, places like Ohio State, Penn State, Nebraska, Iowa, Michigan, where football is just means, it means more. It does. It's strange to say that, but it's true than maybe some of the other communities. And I don't think that it, that they're going to walk it back. Uh, but that said, that I think right now that there's a lot of heavy discussion that, something has to happen and there's a priority attached to this and and uh you know whether it's fall football returning i which i doubt or just an you know absolute you have to get in spring football period uh-huh. uh, i think it's going to be pretty dire and, and pretty direct a lot of these conversations Scott Dockerman uh, is with us. Of course, Scott with The Athletic will get to his piece that uh, he wrote here coming uh, coming up oh, a couple of minutes. Well, I do want to bring it up, Doc. Again, I enjoyed reading it. Tom Deanhart's covered college football for decades. Uh, he was quoted as saying that he spoke with a uh, a Big Ten coach, and unlike those schools you just mentioned, Michigan, Ohio State, Nebraska, Penn State, and Iowa, he hasn't heard a peep from any of the parents uh, at the school that he coaches at. That surprised me, Doc. Uh, in fact, almost to the point that I don't believe that 
that there has been one parent that hasn't reached out to this head coach uh, that Tom Deanhart has a relationship. Did you see his tweet? Did you believe it? I did, and I, you know, it's hard to say what the context is. I mean, Tom's now covering Purdue, yep. but he, as you mentioned, you know, he was with BTN for a long, long time, so he has a lot of uh, contacts throughout the league, and and you wonder where is this, you know, and and you know, Tom's not going to divulge his story. Right. I wouldn't ask him to, but you know, is it is it Rutgers or Maryland? Is it uh, you know, is it Purdue, the team he covers now? Is it Northwestern? I mean, each of these schools kind of treats football differently, and and really depending on the stage of the pandemic and the and really what what's most important to that community, I think it really determines whether or not uh, you know people's attitudes on it. I mean, if you're if he let's say, and I'm just only speculating, you talk to Greg Schiano with Rutgers, then maybe that is the case. Um, I would think that people, you know, even Jeff Brom with his uh, unveiled. Mm-hmm. Uh, proposal for the spring that you know i'm sure he's probably heard of from a few people but i do know this that there is a, a core five and it wouldn't surprise me if wisconsin's in that category too at some point there is a core five that is just beside itself that it's not playing football and uh, and, and it's it's going to create a wedge that we've never seen before in the big 10 conference Justin Fields has come out with the petition. We have the parents that have gone out. Uh, a letter deli- delivered to the Big Ten offices as one of the Iowa players' uh, parents out there with the letter as he's walking into headquarters there in Chicago. In the end, though, I mean, ultimately, it doesn't feel like anything like that is going to make a big impact here. What about the testing side? Ken and I were mentioning this earlier today, the saliva test, that feels like it could be a game-changer. Is this something that... At the ultimately can make the turn, and and even if we don't get full fo- fall football, give an opportunity for spring to really happen and the change that it looks like the Big Ten sees that they need in order to make this happen. Yeah, I I know the saliva test is something that I think is somewhat of a breakthrough, and I hope it I hope it works out for everybody and all walks of life, not just college sports. Right. I think it's something that mm-hmm. could ensure that we have something in the uh, in the winter or it's early spring football wise but but i think really going back to the big 10 part of this though you know and i don't expect them to walk this back and ultimately they may be right but where they have been dead wrong and they've never been wrong about this before is their their communication's been terrible their communication with the parents with the players with the coaches uh it has been beyond reprehensible I mean, you have to explain this decision because so much is involved in football and and the other sports too. I don't mean to minimize volleyball or, or cross country or whatever, but specifically football to feel like their voice doesn't matter, the, whether it's the players, the coaches, the parents, whatever, to go through this entire summer of all these tests and the way things are conducted and unveil a schedule and then five days later pull the plug on the schedule and not give specifics why. Uh, this all happened, and and I know it's the presidents that made the decision, and not necessarily Kevin Warren. But Kevin Warren is the the, mm-hmm. the face of the Big Ten Conference, and to, to just completely disintegrate in front of the camera and not give any specifics, they have a major problem on their hands, and they have to rectify it soon. And they cannot waste any more time by not coming out and and giving some accurate and full specifics as to why they decided to make this happen. They have to do that. And if they don't, it's going to just really erode any kind of positives the Big Ten Conference 
had and built at equity over 120 plus years. And Jim Delaney would not have made that mistake Mm -hmm. at all. I'm not suggesting he wouldn't have shut it down, but we would have known why. And Kevin Warren has fumbled this so badly, the ball just went out of bounds and then into the stand. Yeah, I I couldn't agree with you more, Scott. I don't know if you had power and time to see Revson and Kevin Warren on the Big Ten Network in the afternoon when the announcement was made, but Dave Revson asked all the right questions, and Kevin Warren could not answer a single one of them. It's like he didn't anticipate getting asked those questions. Uh, And up until that point, I was a big believer in this guy. I thought they hired the right guy. I I thought he was going to be the next commissioner of the NFL. That was not a good day for him, and um, as Trent mentioned, that's first uh, line on his legacy uh, going forward. Doc, I want to get to your piece. It was a great read. It was a lengthy read. That's one of the many reasons I love The Athletic. It allows you guys uh, you're not limited to column inches in a newspaper. Uh, you don't have to, you don't feel like you're halfway through the story and then you jump right to the end. Hang on a second. I'm missing a bunch of stuff here. Uh, it allows you to um, uh, to write what you felt and boy oh boy, it was a terrific read, Doc. Um how long did it I mean it's basically going inside your day? And I did vicariously. I thought it was terrific. Thank you so much. And yeah, it was it was one of those things that when it just starts to really hit you that there's not gonna be football this fall. There's not gonna be everything that you know for a Saturday. And and this is my view, but I everybody has their view if they come to Kinnick or, or Jack Trice if if that ends up happening there or, or whatever, where you're day is kind of regimented and and mine has been that way for a long time so you know as you get these thoughts circling whether you're trying to sleep or or wherever you know you just start thinking about the different situations you're going to meet and some of it is just is really mundane until you start to think man i'm not i'm not going to see the sunrise over the kinnick statue um you know for an 11 a.m kickoff i'm not going to you know, try, try to avoid falling off the riser of the bumper brigade <laughs> on Melrose and Melrose at, you know, right before 8 o'clock in the morning. I'm, you know, just on and on. And, and everybody's going to have those feelings. And, and just to think, uh, you know, in September, October, and November, it's going to be nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's, it's not that they're not going to be good. It's not that they're going to miss some games. There's going to be nothing. That's going to be really hard for people to get their hands around when it happens. I mean, now it's just kind of in this, you know, you start to analyze it, but, you know, it's going to hurt your heart. You know, <laughs> yep. you're, if you live that for years and a lifetime and not have it happen, and, and you know, even me being a, you know, an objective observer, it, it's really, it's going to hurt me too. So I, I think everybody's going to be in the same boat here, and, and it's just going to be, it's going to be very difficult to come fall. Doc, I saw you had a piece on the Iowa State football schedule up at The Athletic. They do not have a dedicated Iowa State writer. Max Olson does a great job on the Big 12 beat, but I'm anticipating we're going to see you at Jack Trice, or at least covering Iowa State a whole lot more. Any marching orders? Anything you can tell us there? Well, you know, we've had just quick discussions about what some of our guys, they do if everything, let's say everything stays status quo and the Big 12 does go ahead, it does play. Um, you know, right now I'm angling towards Iowa State. Like, did Sherman probably do more Kansas State? State yeah. I'm also, you know, kind of in the, you know, we're in the middle of a lot of NFL teams, so I may be helping out mm, on NFL good. coverage too. So, that, you know, there's a lot of different things. And plus there's going to be a lot of stories out of Iowa too. Right. So, I mean, I'm not going to completely just move over. But, yeah, I will be writing a lot of Iowa State stuff, and I'm looking forward to it if that's, what we get to do. I mean, it was kind of fun to go through their schedule and go, you know, all right, I need to really start looking at these teams. Yep. And, 
And, uh, you know, one, one topic my son and I discussed this summer was, you know, Kansas State and Iowa State need a traveling trophy, and why not the Reaper? They're both ag institutions. They fight for to have a, a, a reaper, and so he designed it. He's a you know brilliant art student, and and uh, you know, that got inserted into my story. So I was kind of glad to have a combo with my son at one point. Good stuff, Doc. Uh, great stuff. Thank you for joining us here today. We appreciate you coming on. Talk to you in a week's time. Who knows what will have changed between this Monday and a week from today, Scott Dockerman. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. Good to talk to you, Scott Dockerman from the Athletic. Uh, here on Miller and Connie's good writer. That's um, look. Uh, that's a that's that's a good win. That's a mm-hmm. win for Iowa State if they get Doc for the season. Or like you mentioned, there's right in the middle of a whole bunch of NFL teams, which is one of the reasons this is a wonderful market to do what we do. Right in the middle of those NFL teams, four teams that matter. Baseball, six teams that matter. Yep. It's two of them against each other today in four hours yeah. and fifteen minutes, and a double dip, two yeah. seven inning games back to back. How long off do they have in between? You know, good the games? question. Because I, I, I've seen some of these double. And I, is it a half hour? I think so. Yeah. Um, because the first pitch is four fifteen for the first game, mm-hmm. and then the second half is seven fifteen. At least that's they've got that's what they've got on the calendar. So you assume a two and a half hour seven inning game and yeah. go from there, right? Boy, there's some pitchers. NBA starting today. Yeah. By the way, I don't think that the Lakers are a cinch. Oh no, I think Portland's going to give them a run. They got to play a little D. Portland, well, anyways. Dame's awesome. Isn't he something? McCollum's not bad either for yeah. his running mate. Uh, let me do this before we get uh, I want to make sure I have one more opportunity yes, to yeah. get this in here. Uh, folks at Embark are taking another uh, truckload of supplies to uh, Cedar Rapids, which continues to uh, try and work its way out from this storm. They were up there this weekend. Uh, they found an area of Cedar Rapids where there's people actually living uh, under the stars, uh, and if they're lucky, they found a place in a tent. But there's a huge need uh, for non-perishable food, bottled water, PPE, blankets and pillows, diapers, cleaning supplies, even old luggage, because a lot of these folks, their belongings are in um, in a corner somewhere, underneath a tree, whatever. Uh, they don't have anything to put them in, what they've been able to salvage. And if you've got an old suitcase or anything like that, where can you drop it off? We can do so starting at noon, from noon until 4, and then the truck's heading east. At 2332 uh, Euclid Avenue, 2332 Euclid Avenue, uh, Vineyard Church is uh, is the location. But they need a lot. They're going to head up today. They were there for hours on Saturday uh, helping up, uh, helping out what they saw. They realized they got to get back. They're going to do it again and fill another truck here if you can, if you have any of that. That stuff. If you can get to 2332 Euclid Avenue between noon and four, they would certainly appreciate it uh, as they will head to Cedar Rapids to, to help those still in need. Trent, now I'll come back, finish it up. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KX and 1460 kicks. You know, for those of you who follow Mark Morehouse on Twitter, he just tweeted a piece of a weather video from Cedar Rapids mm-hmm. a week ago um, from noon until one, and they put it in a 30 second clip. Trent, it is unbelievable to see this sky cam of the weather. Derek Chow, I can't say the word, um, how it went through Cedar Rapids. It's frightening. 
It's a hurricane. On land. It's a hurricane on land, yes. I know people don't like, for whatever reason, to use that expression, but that's what it was. Brutal. Zubin Mahente is going to join us tomorrow at 1125. Oh, I'm great. forward to that. Catching up with Zubin. Watched him a little bit on TV this morning for a minute or so. Um, what else are we going to do tomorrow? Uh, maybe get Bama Bob in here to, to look at the mm-hmm. uh, SEC schedule, one of three conferences going forward. Maybe do some baseball. Mitch Holtis will be back with us. And away we go. And away we go. We march closer to high school football one week from Friday night. Can't wait. I know you're excited about oh, it. Boy. I just wanted to come off. I really do. Yes. Pull this off. They got baseball and softball yep. in. Absolutely. Take those lessons you learned, build on them, and pull it off, Iowa. Uh, we'll be back uh, tomorrow with 10. Uh, coming up next, next local programming, Murph and Andy 2, then the Fanatics at 4. Tomorrow morning, the morning rush starts at 6 a.m. We're Miller and Condon, weekdays 10 to noon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.